0: Scripture reminds us to seek the Lord and His strength, seek His presence continually. But how can we do this on a daily basis? In this series, we're exploring Crosspoint's core value of earnestly seeking God. Together, we're training and practicing in spiritual disciplines like Bible study, prayer, fasting, and Sabbath rest. Together, we're focusing on the disciplines that draw us into a deeper relationship with God and strengthen us spiritually in all areas of life. Together, we're being equipped as passionate followers of Jesus to renew our community and world for Christ. How are those New Year's resolutions doing? I know that can be an uncomfortable question, but I've been thinking about that this week. I'm wondering whether you call them resolutions, you call them goals, how many of you make resolutions in a typical year? Anybody out there make New Year's resolutions, set yearly goals for yourself? Good. Now, if you do, if you made a resolution this year, if you set a goal for yourself this year, how many of you are still on target for that resolution? Not a lot of, oh, I see a few hands up. Good job. Those of you who are on target, good job. If perhaps you made a resolution, if you set a goal for yourself and you're off target, jump back in. Because goals that are worth setting are goals that are worth pursuing. Get back in there and pursue that goal that God prompted on your heart. You know, many people make resolutions. Many people make annual goals because they want to improve themselves in, in some area. Maybe the goal is to read more this year. Maybe the goal is to exercise more. Maybe the goal is to lose some weight. Those are all good goals to pursue. I had a, a friend in college whose great desire was to be married. And so for the first five years after graduation, each year he set a resolution that that year he was going to get married. Now, in those days, he didn't date a lot. And so many years he started the year without even having a girlfriend. So we say, Doug, How about if you focus on the girlfriend this year, and then once you're in a relationship, then you can think about marriage. But he'd always respond with, that's why I set a a September out clause. If I'm not at least dating somebody by September, the New Year's resolution is null and void. (laughs) That's a good way to do it, isn't it? Give yourself an out clause. Now, I've never called them resolutions, but I am one who makes annual goals. I make yearly goals for myself. I want to read more. I want to exercise more. But even more than that, I want to continue growing in my relationship with the Lord. I want to continue to grow spiritually. I find that I live with a fear of of spiritually reliving the same year, year after year after year, of, of never growing, of always just living on autopilot. And so I find myself asking the question as New Year's comes around, how is this year going to be different than last year? How am I going to be different? And so I set goals for myself to, to grow in, in one area of my spiritual walk, my walk with the Lord. A few years ago, I set a goal to, to develop my skills in the area of evangelism. A couple of years ago, I, I set goals, to, I, I focused to get deeper in my understanding of Scripture. Last year, I, I focused and spent extra uh, effort on, on growing my prayer life. And this year, I'm sensing that God is calling me to learn to be rather than just do all the time. You know, it's easy to become task-focused, to do, 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 accomplish, accomplish, accomplish all the time. And in doing so, miss out on being with God and and enjoying His presence. It's like the story of Mary and Martha in Luke chapter 10. Martha was doing, she was serving, and meanwhile her sister Mary was sitting at Jesus' feet just listening to Him speak. Martha complained to Jesus about what she perceived to be laziness on her sister's part. And Jesus' response was striking, right? Jesus said, Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken from her. Now, doing is important, especially doing for God. But being with God is also very important. And so I hope to grow in this area in my life this year. We have been offering a a class, an adult class after worship during this sermon series. This sermon series is looking at the spiritual disciplines. And we're offering a class after worship where we're also looking at the spiritual disciplines and a couple of weeks ago we looked at the purpose behind the spiritual disciplines that's purpose that purpose is spiritual transformation we talked about how in jesus day the pharisees focused on what would be called pseudo transformation the pharisees focused on the externals They focused on circumcision and the dietary laws and a a legalistic view of the Sabbath. Jesus calls his followers to a deeper kind of transformation. Jesus says that the greatest command is, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus said, as I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. To Jesus, the the transformation that we should be pursuing are those, those inner changes, things like growing in our capacity to love other people, growing in our character qualities like the fruit of the Spirit that Pastor Danny talked about a couple of weeks ago. Now the word in the New Testament that's so often translated as transformation is that Greek word morpho. I'm sure you all have heard that word before and use it regularly in conversation. Morpho is the inward and real formation of the essential nature of a person. That word was used to describe the, the formation and the growth of the embryo in the mother's body. The kind of spiritual growth that God wants us to pursue is, is that change in the, the nature, our, our real nature, the remaking of our nature of who we are. God wants us to see and feel and think and do as Jesus would do in our place. The Apostle Paul talks about this in Galatians. He talks about it in these terms. He says, my dear children, for whom I am again in the pains of childbirth until Christ is formed in you. And that word in Greek for the word formed is the word um, sumorphizo, another word that you use regularly and you drop with your friends. It means to have the same form as another, to shape a thing into the likeness of something or someone. As we are growing, as we are being shaped, we are being shaped and molded into the image, the very image of Christ. We are becoming like Jesus. Now in Jesus' day, the rabbis would invite their their disciples to follow them. And so these disciples would follow the rabbi all day, every day, because they wanted to know what the rabbi knew and they wanted to do what the rabbi did. But even more than that, They wanted to become who the rabbi was. As they watched his every action, they listened to his every word so they could become just like their rabbi. 2,000 years ago, Jesus' disciples followed him for three years so that they could become like him. And today, our goal is to become like Jesus, to be shaped into the very image of Christ. In Romans 12, Paul talks about um, this and he says do not conform to the pattern of the world but be transformed by the renewing of your mind Paul uses a different word here for transformation which speaks about that ultimate transformation that should be happening he uses the word metamorpho metamorpho from which we get that English word metamorphosis Students in your science classes, you've learned about metamorphosis and your teacher probably talked about the metamorphosis that happens as the caterpillar is changed into the butterfly. They're completely transformed from caterpillar to butterfly. And so this word metamorpho refers to the idea that we don't simply learn to do things in a new way, we become the kind of people who are that way. And so I don't just act loving, I am loving. I don't just act joyful, I have great joy within me. I am transformed. The question is, how does this happen? How does this kind of transformation happen to me? Now, if I were to tell you that tomorrow I'm gonna run a marathon, those of you who know me well would laugh, and then you'd try to talk me out of it because you know that if I were to run 26 miles tomorrow, it would lead to my untimely demise. Running a marathon for me would be an act of sheer silliness because over the past few years, I have allowed the busyness of life to crowd exercise out of my life. I am nowhere near being in the kind of shape that I need to be in to run a marathon. But that could change. Tomorrow, I could choose to run around the block one time. And I could do that each day this week. And then next week, I would be ready to run around two blocks each day. And the following day, I could run, the following week, I could run around three blocks each day. And so, through hard work and diligence, I could gradually increase the distance I was running so that one day I was ready to run a marathon. I am not a marathoner today, but through hard work and diligence, I could become a marathoner. Now, there's a correlation between training to run a marathon and training for the spiritual life. If I wake up tomorrow and say I want to be just like Jesus, that I want to love people the way Jesus loves people, that I want to see and feel and think as Jesus does, that I want to do the things that Jesus would do if he were in my place. That wouldn't happen overnight. There are things that I would need to do to create space for the Holy Spirit to do that transforming work in my life to become that kind of person. You see, it's God through the Holy Spirit that does that transforming work in us. It's a gift from God. There are certain things that I can do that you can do to create space for God to do his work in us. And those things are called the spiritual disciplines. Now, if I want to become a marathoner, it's going to require some focus and some dedication. There are certain things that I'm going to need to do at the expense of, of doing other things. I'm going to need to spend time training. I'm going to need to go running on a regular basis. I'm going to need to to have a good diet, a healthy diet, avoiding snacking on sweets and fatty foods. I'm going to need some some good rest, get good sleep at night and, and avoid certain things like drive through at McDonald's and pizza delivery from Papa John's. If I am going to become a marathoner, I'm at least for a time period going to have to become more single minded in my focus. The same thing is true in our spiritual life, in our spiritual growth. Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. In other words, prioritize God and his kingdom. And we want that, right? We want that. But we want a lot of things, don't we? We desire intimacy with God, but there are times when I flee from that. I want to be generous, but there are times when I hoard and, and I covet. We want to serve others, but there are times where we are arrogant and self-seeking and selfish. James calls this being double-minded. The Apostle Paul wrote this. He says, I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing that I hate. If we want to be cured from double-mindedness, I need to be transformed by the renewing of my mind. It's an incredibly effective practice in helping us to do this, is having our minds reformed by immersing it in Scripture. This almost talks about hiding God's word in our heart that we might not sin. So how do we read the Bible in a way that helps to purify our hearts and helps to, to help us to live as Jesus would in our place? Apostle Paul wrote to the church in Ephesus challenging husbands to love their wives. And he used an analogy in this. He said, just as Christ loved the church, and gave himself up for her in order to make her holy by cleansing her with the washing of water by the word, so as to present the church to himself in splendor, without a spot or wrinkle or anything of the kind, yes, so that she may be holy and without blemish. We are the bride of Christ. We are the church, and we need to be washed by the word. But what does that mean? Think about what happens. Like Think about what happens when we wash something. Soap and water go into the fabri- fibers of the fabric at the deepest level, and they pull out the Im- impurities and they, they take them away. And it's only after washing that that fabric can be seen the way it was originally intended to be. Now the same thing is true with our hearts and our minds. Our hearts and minds before we come to Christ can be cluttered with things like fear and selfishness and misguided plans and and pride. Think about what happens. Um, Sorry, what I lack there is is purity of heart. I don't want just one thing, right? I want to to hear from God. At the same time, I want to take what I've heard from God and impress people with how spiritual I am. It can be a frightening thing when we begin to see the truth about our hearts and minds and its need for cleansing. That's why Martin Luther spent so much time in the confessional. He would spend hours in a day, several days in a row, confessing his sins. The other monks would wonder, what is Martin Luther doing in there? I mean, he lives in a monastery. What sins did he have to confess? Was he short-sheeting the other monks? Was he maybe chanting off-key? Well, imagine what it'd be like to have our minds cleansed from the debris that that blocks our best intentions. Imagine if every time you saw another person, your first inclination was to to bless them and to pray for them. Imagine if every time you faced a challenge or you were filled with fear or anxiety, your first inclination was to turn to God for strength. Imagine being in a place where you actually wished your enemies well. That's what it'd be like to have our mind washed with the Word. That's what it means to allow the, the Word of Christ to dwell in us richly. It's, the Bible is what helps us to learn to live in the kingdom. It helps us to learn to live in the kingdom here and now, and is indispensable in doing this. That's why we need to be transformed by Scripture. I have never known somebody living a spiritually transformed life who had not immersed themselves in Scripture. Paul writes about the role of Scripture in 2 Timothy 3. He says, All Scripture is God-breathed and profitable for teaching and reproofing, for correcting and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. Paul is not saying that the purpose of of knowing Scripture is so that when we get to heaven, we get 100% on the entrance exam. Paul is saying that we are to know Scripture so that we may be equipped for good work. Or put it another way, so we become the kind of people from whom goodness flows out, like an unceasing stream of water. And so if the Bible is to completely fulfill its mission in our lives, our minds need to be transformed so that every moment might be like a miniature reflection of what life in God's kingdom is like. And to do that, we need to spend time in God's word. Now at crosspoint we offer several opportunities for group bible study we have bible studies for men and for women we have a bible study that meets most sundays in here after worship where matt and ryan are taking us through the old testament we have small groups that that meet regularly and study scripture together we offer rooted twice a year and encourage each person to to find their place in a group bible study where we can dig deep into god's word so that it might do that transforming work in our life. I know that many of us spend time on our own reading Scripture, except it's not just about reading, right? It's about understanding Scripture. I know that you've had that experience. If you are one who reads Scripture, you've had that experience where you come to the end of the passage you're looking at. Maybe you've been reading a chapter, and and you get to the end and you find that your, your mind had been on cruise control the whole time, and you hadn't grasped any of it. So let me offer you a suggestion that we find in our rooted workbook about how to get the most out of our our bible reading you're going to need a, a notepad or, or a journal and on the page for the day that you're on you're going to write the name of the passage that you're going to be looking at maybe tomorrow you're going to look at john chapter eight and then below that you're going to write three questions the same three questions each day the first question is what does it say paraphrase The Scripture in your own words. Write out what the Scripture has been saying, what it it says. Secondly, what does it mean? What does the Scripture mean? What is it saying? How does it impact you today? And third, what am I going to do? What application will I make today? How am I going to take what I read, what I learned today from God's Word, and put it into practice in my life this week? Approaching scripture like this will help us to get the most out of it that we can. But I wanna talk about a a third approach to engaging scripture with the rest of the time that we have this morning. It's called Bible meditation. Purpose of meditation is to have our minds washed by the word. It's to allow the word of Christ to dwell in us richly. The psalmist says, Fruitful living comes from the person who meditates on the law day and night. And we can't meditate fast. We have to go slow. Meditation is as slow as as having those roots that are in the the soil, drawing the moisture up into the tree. That's how meditation works. Now, I know that some people are uncomfortable with the word meditation. Meditation. It's not meant to be an esoteric or a spooky word. It's it's not reserved to gurus who are chanting their mantras in the lotus position. No, meditation is an extremely biblical word. It's mentioned more than 50 times in the Old Testament. And meditation simply means sustained attention. Sustained attention in, in one area. The principle around meditation is simple. What the mind repeats, it retains. What the mind repeats, it retains. And so let me offer you a few suggestions for meditating on Scripture. First of all, ask God to meet you in Scripture. Before you begin reading in Scripture, take a moment and ask God to to speak to you through His Word. And then as you read, expect that He will do just that. Now, it's uniquely in Scripture that we meet Jesus. The message of Scripture is not that help is coming, the message is, help has already arrived. Jesus says the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And so as you begin to read, acknowledge that Jesus is present with you. As you begin to wash, just ask him to wash your, your mind with the word, even if it's gonna sting a little bit. And as you read, certain ideas may strike you. You may be moved by God's love for you, which he expresses through his word. You may be convicted of a certain sin. You may be prompted to to follow some course of action. When you get these feelings, when you get these thoughts, be open to the idea that it may be God speaking to you through his word. Secondly, read the Bible in a repentant spirit. Read the Bible with a readiness to surrender everything. Read with a vulnerable heart. Read it wisely, but understand that transformation comes from reading the word reading the word for that kind of transformation, hearing from God, and not just reading for information. Decide that you will be obedient to what the scriptures say to you. Now when a mind is washed, when somebody is, begins to be filled with the very thoughts of God, this is a gift to the world. But it's possible to read scripture without having your mind washed. Scripture talks about this. In John chapter five, Jesus was talking to the, the religious leaders of his day. These religious leaders were very proud of their their understanding of Scripture. and Yet Jesus said, you study the Scriptures diligently because you think that in them you have eternal life. These are the very Scriptures that testify about me, yet you refuse to come to me to have life. Religious leaders thought that their knowledge of Scripture was proof of their spiritual greatness. And yet they didn't allow the teaching of Scripture, the teaching about love, to cure them of their judgmentalism. They didn't allow the teaching of scripture about humility to cure them of their their pride. And so they didn't get Jesus teaching. They didn't understand what Jesus was teaching. Third, meditate on a fairly brief passage or narrative. It's important to be familiar with the Bible. And so there are times when we will study large chunks together, maybe as much as a chapter or more. But when you're reading for transformation, we've got to go slowly. We've got to read just a few verses at a time. And so immerse yourself in Scripture. Spend some time with just a few verses and allow those verses to speak to you. Read it slowly. Read it like you might read a a love letter from someone. Certain words may strike you, may jump off the page at you. And so the question that we ask during reading like this is, is, Lord, what do you want to say to me through your word? Now, if you are like me, Reading scripture like this is going to require an attitude adjustment. We don't read quickly, we read slowly. Success is not me- measured in the number of pages read. I remember a time 20 years ago, I, I was setting a goal for myself that I was going to pray through the psalms, one psalm a day. Now, psalms have been a prayer book for God's people for thousands of years. But something strange happened in the midst of this. I found that my goal became getting through the psalms. Each day that I I did when I could check it off my list and I was closer to my goal of of praying through the psalms, I found that I never wanted to get stuck on one psalm for more than one day because that would keep me from achieving my goal. It's like I felt like I was getting this gold star to put on the fridge as an accomplishment that I I did something, I I accomplished something that day. But that's not why God gave us the psalms, right? Right? god gave us the psalms and he gave us scripture because he wants to speak to us he wants to renew us and if it means staying with one psalm or one verse or or even one word we need to stay with it and stick with it as long as it takes for us to learn what we need to learn because the goal is not for us to get through the scriptures the goal is to get the scriptures through us now knowledge about the bible is indispensable it's a very good thing, but knowledge by itself does not lead to transformation. When Paul urged the church, the Christians at Rome to re, um, be transformed by the renewing of your minds, he was thinking about more than just the acquisition of information. That, that renewal that Paul talks about was, would only take place when we would present our bodies as living sacrifices, as we arrange our lives around the practices through which God is able to transform us. And then fourth, take one thought or one verse with you throughout the day. To begin, choose a scripture that you'll live with for one day. Maybe you can choose this at night before you go to sleep for the next day. Or or maybe you choose it first thing in the morning. Take a verse and walk with it all day long. Allow it to continually return to your mind. Maybe you'll take Psalm 4610. Be still and know that I'm God. For one day just live with those words allow them to speak to you and maybe you can say something like this today i'm going to do my very best to be still today i'm not going to rush today i'm not going to hurry today i'm going to take the time to enjoy the beauty of your creation lord today i'm going to be fully present with the people in my life and today i'm going to try to be as as conscious of your presence with me as possible lord now do you know what it's like to be still I'm not gonna ask you to raise your hands for that one. But think, do I know what it's like to be still? Another question would be, do you know how the people in your life would love it if you would be still just for one day? How glorious would that be to put away striving, to put away do, 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 and learn to just be, be, be. As we do this, a wonderful thing can happen you will find that you actually enjoy being still. And you will find that you enjoy, that you want to know that the Lord is God. And then fifth, allow this thought to be part of your memory. One of the most powerful things you can do towards spiritual transformation is to memorize God's word. To memorize it so that you know it, so that you have it with you. The psalmist says, I've hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Memorizing Scripture is is so helpful because we have it when we need it. We also can memorize those Scriptures that will help us in those areas that we need it. Maybe you struggle with fear. And so maybe Psalm 27.1 would be a passage that you would want to memorize. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? If pride is a problem, maybe memorize Philippians 2.3. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit. But in humility, regard others as better than yourselves. Jesus had Scripture memorized. When Jesus was taken into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil, he answered the temptations of the devil with Scripture. Three times the devil tempted Jesus in different ways, and each time Jesus refuted the devil using Scripture. Memorizing Scripture helps us to have it at the ready in those moments when we need it. G.K. Chesterton was once asked if you were marooned on an island by yourself and could only have one book with you, what would that book be? Now, G.K. Chesterton was a well-known, very thoughtful Christian writer, and we might assume that he would say the Bible, but he didn't. His answer was Thomas's Guide to Practical Shipbuilding. <laughs> and that makes sense, doesn't it, Right? When you are trapped on an island, you want a book that will help you get home. When you're trapped on an island, you want a book that will show you how to be saved. Here's the thing, right? We are all trapped. You, me, and everyone else is trapped on an island. We're trapped in patterns of thought and behavior that lead to spiritual death. Eugene Peterson once said that we are all trapped on an island, but he spelled it I L-A-N-D. We're trapped on an island. We don't truly know ourselves. We don't truly know God. And We're looking for a message that will help us get home. We have that message, right? We have that message. The message is help is on the way. Help has arrived. We live in a world that bombards us with millions of messages and pulls us in thousands of different directions. But only the word of God speaks the word that can renew our minds. Let's immerse ourselves in the Word of God and let's be transformed. Will you pray with me? Lord, we are so grateful. We are so grateful for your Word, your Word which brings life, your Word which offers transformation, a Word which speaks to us in those deepest places when we read it, seeking you and seeking what you would have us know and do and be. I pray, Lord, that you would prompt us, prompt us again and again to return to your word. May we seek to find you in that word. May may you come alive. May you show us who we are because of who we are in you. May we seek to be the kind of people that change the world one life at a time by living out those things that you have called us to do. May we be be responsive to your teaching. In this moment, in Jesus' name, amen.